0: Hello ako si Judas Cavilan. Kayo ay nakikinig sa bagong Raffer Podcast episode kung saan himayin natin ang mga init at mahalagang isyo sa Pilipinas. Ito ang Refresh News Beyond the Stories. Sa episode na to, ang unang episode natin para sa 2022, pag-uusapan natin ng coronavirus situation ngayong simula pa lang ng taon. Wala pang isang buwan, January palang. lang, wala pang halos 30 days. Pero ang taas na ng bilang ng mga kaso ng COVID-19 sa bansa. Ano ang sa likod ng surge na to, Na for sure na kung hindi ikaw, kapamilya mo, kaibigan mo, may kakilala ka sigurado na may COVID-19 ngayon. Anong dapat gawin ng gobyerno para matigil na yung surge na to or hindi na maulit yung pagtaas ng bilang ng kaso na to? Kasama ko ngayon sa Sofia Tomacruz, rapper reporter who covers the coronavirus pandemic and the government's response to this health issue para talakayan ng isung ito. Hi Sofia, thank you for joining me today. Hi, yes, thank you for having me again. Happy New Year. And happy New Year. <laughs> Ito yung last episode ko last year and then you will open again dahil na pa ring issue ang coronavirus third year into mm-hmm. the pandemic. So, Sofia, for my first question, we're entering the third year of the pandemic soon. That's in late February uh, March or late February. Kailan simula ng 2022? Can you tell us, ano na sitwasyon ng pandemia ngayon sa bansa
1: natin? Right. So, um, we welcome 2022, you know, in the same feeling a lot like the pandemic wasn't in its third year or in disbelief that the p- pandemic was already in its third year. Because I say disbelief because um, for the last week, we've been... P- you know, tallying record high numbers. So just today we posted, today um, on January 12, we posted uh, over 30,000 cases again, and that's the second, over 32,000 cases. And it's the second highest daily tally after um, January 10. And just in this week alone, like I mentioned, record high numbers talaga. So that's the state of the uh, health crisis right now here in the Philippines. We know we, sh- we are shattering records that we already set during the Delta, the surge, partly driven by Delta back in 2021, around July to September. And it can be very unnerving, I guess, for some because, you know, we had really hoped to leave all of that behind us. We ended 2021 with our lowest case numbers since the, you know, since early on in the pandemic. And uh, here we are again with um, record high numbers. So that's just the lay of the land right now. Um, in terms of case numbers and in terms of hospitalizations, let's say, currently the country is still technically under a low-risk classification. But then we we know, of course, that um, with so many people getting sick, that also includes our health workers. So, you know, we are still in crisis mode. Yeah.
0: You mentioned that we're hitting all-time numbers, no? And then, as you mentioned, Yana, this was the highest compared to the Delta surge that we had. What happened? Kasi parang at the end of December nga, parang high spirits lahat. Kasi 300 cases, tapos marami na lumalabas. And then parang people were saying na baka the worst is over. Then biglang mm-hmm. third year of time pandemic, biglang gito kataas. Na you'd think na since malapit na parang three years na into this pandemic, dapat pa iklinang numbers like what we're seeing in other countries. What happened? Anong factors mm-hmm. behind this surge na nakita ng mga sources more or mga susundan mo mga experts on this?
1: Yeah, well, I think that if you can call it a curveball, although, it, and you know, in one sense you can't call it that, but really the big game changer here is once again another variant. This time, Omicron, the variant, the latest variant of concern. And I know we talked a little bit about this last year. Pero kahit talapang official declaration of lo- local transmission here in the Philippines, should mean that you know the variant is here, uh circulating and why's it circulating widely and, um, you know, all over the country. Even if we don't have that official declaration yet, you know, all the signs are here. Um, and at the same time, we don't need that declaration to know we have to act. So I would say that really the biggest game changer that, you know, took us from where we were um, last year, how we closed the year off with lower, much, much lower case numbers to record-breaking numbers this year, actually Omicron. Um, and just to give a picture of how... Big of a game changer this really is. Is um, you know, less than a month ago, not even a month ago, perhaps. right, let's say a month ago, we were we were only reporting cases in you know. Now we can say only in the hundreds. Back then, it was. I mean, four weeks ago, hundreds were. You know, hundreds were still hundreds, right? We always want it to be lower than that. But then today we posted over thirty thousand cases, like I mentioned. So, it's really Omicron oh that's the game changer here.
0: Yeah, I know in our last episode for 2021, we tackled Omicron, no? But to refresh our memory, can you tell us, ano yung dapat malaman ng public tungkol sa Omicron variant? I know before you mentioned, na kaunti pa lang yung alam natin dito when we closed the year in 2021. Pero ngayon pa may mga bago tayong information or data on this new
1: variant. To have a refresher, let's just look at it um, through the lens of uh, three questions that experts always ask whenever we see another variant, um, whether that be a variant of concern, of a variant of interest, or a variant under monitoring. So first of all, the transmissibility of Omicron, this is really its biggest threat right now. It is extremely contagious. It is already, if I'm not mistaken, around two to three times more infectious than Delta, which we already know it was much more infectious than the original COVID nineteen strain, and because it's so infectious, this is why you see cases really exploding here in the Philippines. The Department of Health said that the way Omicron spreads so easily, it's translating to cases doubling every two point two days. That's so really, really fast, and mm-hmm. the implication, of course, of very of extreme contagiousness and, and transmissibility is that it is so much harder. It's all that it's that much harder to contain. COVID-19. And, you know, the threat or the risk of you, the chances of you getting infected is that much higher because, you know, it's it spreads so easily. And I think that, you know, you and I know that firsthand. Of course, people here watching also know that firsthand because, you know, you have not just one friend or, or one family member, but you have uh, several, you know, several people who are uh, testing positive. And right now in Metro Manila, around, one of one out of every two people, 50%, yeah, are, te- are testing positive. So that's on the first account of transmissibility. And then, of course, you also look at severity. Now, I think early on, it's probably worth revisiting this question because early on, a lot of the news was revolving around the fact that um, Omicron seemed milder. But then we have to put into context, of course, that this is milder compared to Delta, which is not uh, mild. And neither is... uh Sorry less severe compared to Delta, which, you know, in itself is not severe. And Omicron itself also isn't mild. So we know that because it's still putting people in the hospital and it's still killing people. And so you can't say that the virus is mild. It is less severe compared to to compared to um, Delta. And the reason why, but then you might ask, right, like, okay, but if um, other people are getting infected, and again, you can't say for certain if it's Omicron because, you know, you'd have to Sequence sequence your sample, but let's just assume if it's Omicron, how come my 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 symptoms are so mild if the variant isn't quote unquote mild? Well, you know, if you're vaccinated, one big reason why why the infection isn't as severe as it might be is because of well, you know, the vaccines and they're working, um, in you. Scientists are also still trying to really figure out what exactly might make Omicron less severe than Delta. Is it so this is something that they are also still um, really watching. But then the bottom line here is that Omicron isn't mild; it is less severe than Delta, but it's still, of course, something that we need to be careful and something that we should, um, you know, avoid. We still should avoid getting infected um, as much as possible. And then the last uh, question about a variant that experts always want to answer, right off the bat, is how does it affect our vaccines? And long story short, here, just a quick recap again, is that it does affect. The performance of our vaccines, um, but we know that protection against severe disease is still intact. Mostly because there are some, there have been some studies, or uh, preliminary studies that have shown that T cells, which is you know, T cells are your body's way of fight of you know killing infected, uh, infected cells, so and preventing a preventing an illness from progressing in the even more severe forms. So that still stays intact, and um, it still recognizes Omicron. So. Uh, yes, there is, sort of a, there is somewhat of a dent in the performance of our vaccines against infection, but then that's also e- remedied by um, getting another dose um, with a booster. Yeah.
0: And para Sophia, if there's one thing that I've learned about, like reading about uh, COVID-19, about the experts, about your stories parang hindi mo talaga mapre-predict kung kailan siya tatatapos, di ba? Kasi di ba parang may mga surge nga na, or you've the sense na may taas ng cases, may bababa, matataas ng cases. Pero itong tapakalaking paglobo ng itong January 22 sa Pilipinas, itong record-breaking numbers natin, did you, your sources, or even the government expect this sudden surge? Or were there elements na you thought it's going to happen naman,
1: natataas ulit yung cases, but not at this intensity? Well, I think... Because other countries were seeing the the rapid increasing cases beforehand, before the Philippines, uh, we had an idea that this was coming. Of course, you know you never really know how it's going to hit a country until it actually does. So the sky high numbers there, you know there we there was some sort of um, warning beforehand. I think though that something that we didn't entirely well. Actually, I think something that we should also keep in mind is that you know, even if we're talking about you know expectations, there are also projections being made, those projections are also you know affected by many things and in between you know the time that they made those projections and the time that the time we are in now where cases are really shooting up, you know a lot of that can be those projections could be affected by many factors, right? like how well you and I and other people in the public comply with. Minimum health standards like masking, for example, and ensuring good ventilation, and then also how fast we can vaccinate people. So yeah, to a certain extent, this was expected, but you know, projections are also something that are easy that are heavily affected by you know our behavior.
0: Yeah, and there are people saying that the Omicron and this variant na, na meron ngayon at yung pagtaas ng cases natin is Golden ticket out of the pandemic. That's like verbatim, ko, tiba. Hindi to totoo. I'm sure, because parang wishful thinking ito. Bakit ito parang maling pag-iisip na? Ganito yung sabi mo na bakayong Omicron yung magtatapos ng pandemic sa panlasa.
1: You know, I really, like other people, I really wish we could say that with certainty. But I think that's the biggest. I think that's the trouble with saying something like it's a golden ticket out of a pandemic or it's the beginning of the end, for instance, because we can never really say that with certainty. So when I was listening to all the um, experts who guide our response, not just in the Philippines, but also um, internationally, the takeaway is always, you know, know, if you keep giving the, the, the trouble with thinking that it's less serious is that it's not the case for all people. Sure, maybe you and I, if we get infected, will be okay because we're young, but it's not the case for other people. And you really, the, the the danger with that thinking is letting infection spread. And, you know, we know by now that if infection spread a lot, then that's exactly how the virus changes and, and, and keeps on mutating. And, you know, in that sense, letting Omicron wa- run wild and free, for instance, there is no, there's nothing really or the possibility of another variant Emerging that's more transmissible or more deadly than Omicron isn't impossible, and in that sense, it really the pandemic really won't be over. You know, like we we'll, we'll, we're just going to be here again. And I think another danger with that thinking also is that right now our vaccines do work. We wouldn't want to let another vac- another variant emerge that could affect our vaccine performance even more because that would be just bad news for for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, medyo dapat
0: when saying that it's the, it's the golden ticket out of the pandemic. in mo, are there any information or at least semblance of any hint na what or any information kung what would bring the end of the pandemic or mahirap parin malama na pa experts natin kung ano yung parang key recipe to ending this pandemic, not just in the Philippines of course, but also around the world, the global scale.
1: I think. I don't think there would be, well, we know what we need to do, right? Yeah. To end the quote, quote unquote end the pandemic, I think, and the acute phase of the pandemic, right? Where, you know, we're in crisis mode. We know what we do. We know what we need to do to make that happen, which would be to, you know, ensure widespread vaccination, to um, ask for that from our officials uh, to make sure that happens here in the Philippines, for instance, to ask that we. That it also takes place on a global scale, um, that's one. That one. That's one of the ways that we could, you know, see the end of the acute phase of the pandemic. But then also, you know, continuing to wear masks, um, continuing to practice distance, continuing to ensure good ventilation. These are some of the ways that we could, quote unquote, you know, end the pandemic or end the acute phase of the pandemic. I think I also just wanted to sorry to just jump back a little bit. I think, you know, just on your point about Omicron being a golden ticket out of the pandemic, you know, we still have to remember that there are people who aren't, who are unvaccinated, but can't get vaccinated, for example, for medical reasons. Um, And these are the, or, or your senior citizens. These are the kind of people that you need to protect. Um, and these are the kind of people that, we should also be thinking about, you know, the most vulnerable people in the pandemic, not to mention kids. Yeah. Um, Kids who can't get vaccinated yet uh, because, uh, you know, there's not, maybe there's not enough supply yet here. The, the vaccines for for 5 to 11-year-olds, for instance, are still on their way or have yet to arrive. And, you know, we have kids younger than 5 years old who can't get vaccinated. And these are the kind of people that you need to think about and you need to protect. So, you know... It's still important that we do our best to not get infected and to not help, to not drive transmission. And, you know, in doing so, you protect, of course, your vulnerable, uh, these vulnerable people. And you also, um, this is also going back to your atheist question, that's also how you quote unquote end the crisis part of the pandemic. Because we know, of course, that, you know, a pandemic won't end overnight. There are also going to be a lot of long term effects that we'll be seeing in the years to come. Yeah.
0: And uh, talking about vaccination, can you tell me, what is the vaccination rate that they in the country? And how big is the factor? is that, you na, na emphasize na natin na, bakit in the past years na like first year na pandemic or at least entering the second year twenty twenty one, pagto matasa numbers natin, malamit naman mga matay, na hospital. So perang ganon kala factor yung vaccines kayo na, kahit yung numbers. Were parang, yun, yung numbers ng deaths. are hindi naman, like of course there it's still bad that there are people dying. But it compared to compare the past two years. So factor dito rin yung vaccination. No?
1: Yeah, definitely. Vaccination is a big, big factor here. And I think that's one of the stories that we see right now as well, is that vaccines do work. And we see that because for example in NCR, a lot of yeah, there are a lot of infections, definitely. But DOH has found that, you know, for example, if you look at the hospitalization, eighty-five percent of people who are in the hospital are those who are unvaccinated. And if you look at uh, research coming from other countries, so these are mostly focused around um mRNA vaccines, which are also available in the Philippines. But then, yeah, they're just uh, a few two among the pro in the portfolio that we have. But then, if you look at that, the the chances or the risks of the unvaccinated are way way higher than if you are vaccinated if you feel sick right now and you know you're not worried for if you feel sick and, and and um things uh the infection right now is minor that's also your vaccines working and so if we're talking about the impact for example or how big of a factor vaccination is right now it's a huge factor it's really saving a lot of lives right now and i think that if you and this is also something that we need to remember right like uh, yeah, things are very, very grim right now. But then this is a, this is a clear example of how we're not in 2020. If these if these were the kinds of numbers we were seeing in 2020 without vaccines, I don't need. I, you know, it's a scary thought to even think about how many people could be dying every single day. But the fact that vaccines are here and that around I'm looking at the figures right now around 49% of the population is fully vaccinated It's such a huge thing. It's really saving so many lives. So vaccines do work. Of course, I think uh, something, the last thing I'd like to add here is that one of our technical, one of the members of our technical advisory group for the DOH, Dr. Anong Lim, uh, made a really interesting point and a really timely point, I think, in the last, in the recent days about vaccination. You know, we need to be also realistic about what we're asking from vaccines. And it's really just going back to what they're supposed to do for us, uh, prevent the severe outcomes, hospitalization, severe disease and death. Infection would, of course, we would want it to, to prevent infection. But then, you know, the fact that it's the fact that we don't have as many deaths right now as we probably would have if this were 2020 and vaccines weren't available shows you really that vaccines are working and that it's saving a lot of lives. Yeah, See, I have friends na they have
0: comorbidities na hindi lang simple asthma but very like immunocompromised sila basically. So if they got the COVID nineteen without the vaccine, that really spelled that for them. Pero ngayon na may covid sila and they were vaccinated, even boosted because they already got the booster shot na they only like mild symptoms like cold and cough and then they were good na after five days of isolation. So it really drives the point talaga na how important yung vaccines na lalo na that even if may comorbidity ka but kahit sobrang healthy ka pa say we know of healthy people who succumb to the COVID-19 in the past 2 years. Pero you mentioned ganun na yung, yung numbers at in hospital hindi siya comparable na sa the past year, 2 years. Pero ano na mo pa ng epekto ng pagtaas ng kaso sa healthcare system natin? Are some meron pa bang mga parang breeze na baka mag Burden, pa lalo at bumalik sa pre 2022 uh, levels ng hospitalization rate or ng parang utilization rate, basically?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it's too early to say right now. I think if it will, well, it's on its way. The hospitalizations are definitely increasing, and any increase, of course, will be felt by our health workers. In terms of how our health, or how our health system is doing the effect of the increase in cases i think what's hard this time around is of course you can talk about like we can talk about how um the portion the proportion of case the proportion of cases that need hospitalization this time around being lower compared to delta and everything but you know when we look at how things are on the ground all those numbers of course matter but then what matters more is you know how our health workers are doing. And what's different about this current surge is that it's not the first surge. It's um, I'm trying to count in my head right now. One, two, three, four, let's say around the fourth. The fourth time cases have really shot up this high and have really put severe stress on our health system. So if you and I are recovering, are still trying to recover from, from, from 2020, what more are health workers, right? And of course, our beds have increased since then. We've had more. Re- we've been able to beef up our resources uh, more since then. But then th- we can't say the same for our health workers. And I think that's that's really where the biggest effect is right now. It's really on our health workers and how this surge is coming on top of all the other surges that we've had. And so I think it's a it's a challenge. In a, it's challenge. It's presents a challenge in a different way. More health workers are getting infected, and you see that we've had to. Um. Short, the government has had to authorize shortening quarantine and isolation for health workers, and at, at the, it's really not an ideal situation. But then the alternative, of course, is you know seeing our health system. I don't want. I don't want to say collapse, but it needs to keep functioning. So, yeah. sadly, that that's the the effect it's having right now. And let's talk about government
0: response, though. No? In the past episode, that then you talk about. Ano yung sa government pero ngayon, no, we're seeing a, a surge now. What should the government do now in response to these high numbers we're seeing? And ano yung worst case scenarios sa na nakita mo if they don't do these recommendations based on experts and scientists na monitoring and pursuing this pandemic?
1: Right. I think in the immediate term, you know, I can think of some things short term and some things long term. For something short term, I think that we really, really need to find a way to get testing more accessible make testing more accessible, I mean. And we have been talking about this since 2020, and we mentioned it again in 2021, and it's still a pro... It's 2022, and we're still talking about um the same thing, right? But then, you know, our testing capacity has definitely increased, but then you can't say the same for access. Tests are still so expensive here in, in the country. Um And now there's a whole other market, right? Antigen tests. So they're also very, very expensive. So really. Testing is one thing that we still need to improve on. I would also think that I would also say that one of the things we should do in the short term is really sit down. Or I would really, I really want to hear the government talk about how we're going to improve ventilation, what kind of investments we're going to be making. And let's say in our public schools so that the kids can go back to school. You know, their education is doesn't have to be interrupted again. Uh it's already been disrupted in the last two years. So it's also another immediate thing we have to do. I would also, and this one, we're in the process of kind of, we're kind of, we're on the way there, but it's still really slow, I would say, um, is how we're monitoring monitoring our health system. So right now it's really still on beds and on um, ventilators. But then we have learned by now, of course, that the beds need people to keep functioning. So I, I think it would be interesting to, um, not interesting, but really important that we add our health workers. Some, so we have to figure out the way to measure um, how many people, how many of our health workers are able to still work to keep to make sure those beds are functioning. And I think long term, well, of course, fourth being, I mean, it's, I will say it, uh, even if it's obvious, vaccination needs to really be more widespread outside of NCR. So NCR is the story in NCR is yes, there are so many cases and hospitalizations are definitely increasing because of just the sheer number of um, infections that we're seeing. But vaccines are really helping us here and the we need to be able to say the same for other regions as well. Long term, what I really what what I think we should be looking for right now is I guess a big a big picture or just a strategy of how we're going to be treating this virus in the years to come. It's definitely not going away anymore. And I don't know about you, but if I'm trying to picture this, even the end of the year or or this time next year, I don't know how you and I are supposed to be thinking of COVID nineteen as both as journalists and as regular people. So I think there needs to be some direction from the government on that. You know, it's n- it's not too early anymore at this point to be thinking about how we're supposed to be treating this disease and how how we're supposed to be how we're going to be coping. With COVID 19 in years to come, you know, quote unquote, living with the virus. So I think that's one long one long term issue that we really need to figure out right now if Omicron's not making that more obvious for us. Yeah. Parang, I was going to ask you
0: on the worst case scenario, but you mentioned that the way you described it sa dulo, parang na siya. Pero Sophia, I wanted to also ask you, parin, what are you afraid that will happen if hindi? Magawa etong mga recommendations na both short term and long term na na mention mo kanina. What's the worst that can happen? Security so based on mga experts,
1: they hmm. say. Pero
0: ako personally from your from your two years of following this pandemic,
1: I'm worried. I'm I'm scared about another variant emerging. You know, I'm not an expert in terms of you know the like the like genetics of you know the the evolution of viruses. But you know if. When I hear experts saying that it's not impossible that another variant of concern emerges that's that's more transmissible and more deadly. That's one thing, of course, that's that's scary to think about. I'm also worried that if we don't move fast enough, then we're going to miss our chance of getting the virus under control. Because you know, right now we can still do that with our vaccines and with um, our current health measures like masking. So that's one thing that's that's scary. And I think Another thing that makes me worried, of course, is that, you know, if we don't address all the things that we just mentioned, because if we're going to be living with COVID-19, as they say, then you definitely need testing to become more accessible if it's going to be a regular thing in people's lives. And you definitely need safer spaces, uh, schools, malls, public transport. And you definitely need, you know, you definitely need people to also get vaccinated. And I think that's the scary part for me that we're going to be we're not going to be able to, or we're still going to be able we're still going to be talking about these things, in in the years to come. Yeah. For my next question I wanted to ask you what to expect
0: uh, in the coming months in terms of numbers. Because similar to parang related to this isang sa comment section of sa Facebook. Sabi ni Ryan Stanley. As the number of daily cases skyrocketed, what is the probab- probability that the Omicron will outpace uh, Delta variant within this month? I, I'm not well, sure if uh, we can already see that based on data that we have, but do you have any information on this?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I I can't say first I can't say for certain about like timelines when that might happen or anything. But then you know, Omicron replacing Delta. That's definitely a possibility that's been mentioned by the World Health Organization, um, also different health authorities in other countries, and that's a trend that we're also seeing in other countries as well. Most recently, here in the Philippines, in the last run of uh, the last sequencing of all of samples, Omicron was the variant that they detected the most out of those samples. Although it's a it's a small sample. And only one of um several that have already been done. But you know, if that's an indication of things of where things are going, we'll still have to see. But yeah, in the last run, for example, 60% of the samples were Omicron, And that's the it's the first time I think that happened since um, you know, we've been sequencing it before the before that it was still Delta that was that was, you know, the majority of samples. But then whether or not it's something that we'll see happening in the Philippines is definitely one thing we'll be watching. And if we're talking about yeah, Omicron overtaking—it's already happening in some countries, so it's definitely not impossible. Yeah,
0: and for me, last question: We're already a few months before the main Nine elections for presidential elections of the Philippines. How do you think this surge, the rising numbers natin, will affect key polls? Like, do you think it will, but malaking chance na magmarami ang restrictions na in place or knowing the government's view? Do you think that it will implement more? restrictions as the, as the election nears?
1: Well, it definitely still means that we still need to be, I mean, the government has to really, the urgency of figuring out how to run a safe election just grows by the day. Um, But I think other than, you know, the logistics of the elections, I think one thing that the face we're in right now is really emphasizing is how, well, I might be biased because I covered the pandemic, but then I think it's really emphasizing how important the pandemic plans of our candidates of our sorry not yet candidates of our aspirants are and you know i think that everybody should be really looking to what these what these um aspirants are saying that they're going to do about the pandemic um what their plans are and personally i'm looking for a lot of details it might be too early in the in in, like it might be too early to be asking that but then really if we've one thing we've learned by now again is that the devil is really in the details it's really it's really different to, to to have like a grand plan and have things always just stay in 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 the big picture, but then you know really drilling really man you know breaking that down into details and concrete actions and steps is is so so important as we've learned by now so I think yeah for me, what does it mean for the elections it's really it's really emphasizing how important the pandemic. And and the government responses as an election issue, it's one thing we really should be demanding, from de- demanding to hear about from from people who are running in the next in the next election. And I think that you know it's one thing that we should be, we're talking about you know, the the next administration, but then also the current administration. It's one thing that we should be um, holding them to account for that you you know just because you only have a few months left. Does it doesn't mean that you you know slowly wean off and and um, let it transfer every, I mean let the next administration handle everything like there's still so much things we can do right now there's still so many things that we need to do right now so really for me it's really just emphasizing how it's really one of the most one of the foremost issues right now especially as election years. Yes, na usapan
0: ngayong gabi na and parang hindi pa naman umaabot ng isang buwan simula nandito ka last month pero parang over di mo overnight pero napaka-quick ng pagbabago sa COVID situation mm-hmm. and na, yung base na pagkwentuhan natin ngayon maraming nagbago sa Omicron data that we have and I'm sure na ang audience natin at ang public ay abangan pa yung mga next na development sa sitwasyon natin bago tayo taposin ito basahin ko lang yung isang experience ng isa nating commentary sa YouTube si Archie I'm sorry if I'm butchering that your uh, username pero sabi niya This person is currently recovering from COVID. Mas nakakahawa yung Omicron, got it from my brother who is a doctor. Dumaan lang siya sa corridor ng house, I absolutely expect nothing from the government. So, parang yung pagkakahawa ng Omicron naman ay matagal na siyang information. Pero from what I'm seeing, talagang for many people, nagiri reality kung gano ka intense yung transmission rate ng Omicron ngayon dahil na na-experience sila na to, na people na we know na hindi naman lumalabas or lumalabas na ng bahay para kuna ng delivery na nagkaka-COVID sila. So it goes to show talaga na hindi biro itong Omicron na to. So, ayun, thank you, Sophia, Definitely. for joining us joining us today. Uh, alam ko, lagi kang guest sa podcast na but every time you come, marami kang bagong information dinadala and I'm looking forward for you to also join us again, hopefully with better news na <laughs> kasi last month, Medyo yeah. gusto sa like mga bumababa numbers eh. Pero this month, medyo, medyo alang So, next time na you guess here, sana best na you. Magandang news na. Uh, let's keep our fingers crossed. Thank you listeners for tuning in. If you would like to be updated on this and other issues, huwag kalimutan na i-follow ang Rappler Newsray sa Facebook, pata na rin sa Twitter. Kung gusto mo na access to social content and events, pwede sumalis sumali sa Rappler+. Plus. Kung meron ka naman gusto na topic that you think we should discuss in our podcast, pwede ka mag-email sa investigative at rappler.com. Again, I am Jalas Gavilan, and this is Newsbreak Beyond the Stories. If you enjoyed this podcast, help us continue to do what we do by contributing to Rappler. You can support us by making a donation of any amount through rplr.co slash supportrappler. That's rplr.co slash supportrappler. Or click on the link in the description. Your
1: donation directly supports fearless, independent journalism in the Philippines.